Okay, Washington won the Apple Cup. Utah beat Colorado. Oregon beat Oregon State. It's going to be Utah and Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. But overshadowing it all this week, Chris Peterson unexpectedly steps down as a head coach at Washington. Jimmy Lake's going to take over. We were going to talk, I'm imagining, a decent amount of time about that on this week's Eligible Receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Ineligible receiver, offense number 64. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. So we're going to jam through the games because the big thing, obviously, we're going to talk about is the uh, Chris Peterson stepping down at Washington and Jimmy Lake taking over. But first, we did play football last week. Uh, we'll start it off with Utah hosting Colorado. Utah, they needed the game. They needed the game because if they lose, USC would have had him on the tiebreaker for the Pac-12 South. Uh, and Colorado got up 7-0. to zero, And Utah responded. Utah, 45-15 to 15 winners, big-time winners in this game. And they, uh, you know, as the season is borne out, they look like the class of the conference. Yeah, I mean, you got, like, someone like yourself and I who have been doing this podcast for a decade now. I mean, basically the entire time that Utah has been in this conference, if, if not the entire time, um, understand what it's like to see a Utah offense, like a Utah team favored by 28 and a half points. And then they cover that. Like, yeah, that is insane. That is like, if any, if ever you wanted to know how legit Utah is, that's a sign. Yeah. They had, uh, yeah, for the most part, they've been crummy, you know, because they had, uh, uh, you know, Alex Smith before they were in the uh, conference, right? Yeah. They had a second with, oh, hell. Now, I don't want to say his name wrong. I'm going to forget who it was. There was a guy there right around 10 uh, who who was like a tall white guy who could run a little bit. And they were kind of, they like kind of jumped up and beat Oregon at the height of Chip Kelly's thing at Autzen once. Uh, and they like would just randomly had a year where they could kind of score. But for the most part, it's just like their defense is solid and their offense is pulling teeth. And this year they have it. Yep. They figured it out. And, uh, all credit to them. And they are, uh, uh, you know, on the precipice of having a lot of future seasons of football spoiled because they are almost like in win and end territory for the college football playoff for that fourth seed. They are. They are winning in territory because, I mean, well, I guess not. I guess if Georgia were to beat LSU, Georgia would probably get in ahead of them. But, I mean, other if than, they looked okay doing it. Other than that, I mean, I think they, they stayed ahead of Oklahoma in the latest college football playoff rankings that came out tonight. So, I think if they win and Georgia loses, they are probably in. Yep, I would think so, too. I would think so, too. Uh, and then the other Pac-12 title game participant, Oregon, played Oregon State. Oregon, uh, semi-comfortable, you know what I mean, but not dominating by any stretch. They were, uh, you know, coming off their loss to Arizona State. They beat Oregon State 24-10 to uh, to cap off a one-loss uh, Pac-12 season, which is as good as can be done in the divisional era. I mean, this was a game with two minutes left to go. It was a seven-point game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to say that, like, yeah, I mean, like this – and Oregon State had the ball. Now, they promptly turned it over. But – 
like Oregon State had the ball with, you know, a couple minutes left to go in this game with a chance to drive down and tie it. And Oregon got it back and scored and obviously scored again um, to, to make this sort of a, you know, you know, I guess they only scored the one time, but they, they, they to make it, to make the score look respectable, but this Oregon's offense is sputtering right now. And they sort of peaked against UW, of course. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, they got to get some stuff figured out before they face Utah this week because they're it's going to get rough. If that same Oregon team shows up, you know, Friday afternoon in rush hour traffic in front of nobody in, you know, the Bay Area, uh, they're absolutely gonna, nobody. They're going to get run. Yeah, that that's one of the interesting things about this Oregon team. Uh, and I think poses legitimate questions as to their success going forward. Now, their recruiting is going to be off the charts good, right? But for me, they're kind of set up to be a version of what Washington has been in recent years, where there's going to be just some crazy talent, and some years are going to be able to put it together and be a very good football team. But what's weird to me is they, when I watch them, they seem to have foregone the thing that, made, to my mind, made Oregon great, which is their incredibly fast-paced offense, right? Yeah. Like, they're like where they were playing, you know, 90% of their games were against teams that just absolutely could not deal with what they were doing offensively. And they just look like a normal offensive team. Now they don't, they don't play with, they don't like, if I'm at, if, if I'm like in charge of that program, I'm saying, well, whatever the hell you do, you're getting to the line and we're trying to run 90 plays a game, yeah. you know, like the old days. Cause that is, we've seen that works. Yeah. But, so I don't know why, you know, Cristobal thinks they just want to line it up and try and play like they're Ohio State. Uh, because I'll tell you what, that shit only works if you're Ohio State year over year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Washington learned that in 2016, right, where they had a very, very good pro-style offense and a very good defense. And then they showed up against Alabama, and it was like, yeah, but not that good. You know, like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, I, it's interesting to me, too. It's kind of an interesting – um, uh, you know, narrative on college football. If Oregon wins this game, they'll go to the Rose Bowl, you know, have an opportunity to play probably at Penn State, I would imagine, or um, someone of that ilk. Um, yeah, somebody like that. I think it'd be Penn State, right? Because Ohio State and Minnesota are playing in the – or uh, Ohio State and Wisconsin are playing in the Big Ten championship game. Wisconsin loses that game. I think that'll be their third loss. Penn State only has two. It'd probably be Penn State or Wisconsin. Penn, Penn State or Minnesota, I would think, right? Well, Minnesota has the losses to Iowa, Wisconsin, and I think that might might be it. Yeah. Well, if they get Minnesota, they'll they'll run Minnesota. But um, yeah, if if it get you know if they get Penn State or Wisconsin, that'll be a game. But but my point is is if like they win the Pac-12 championship, they get to go to the Rose Bowl. They're in great shape, you know, like for for a memorable season. But if they lose that game, it'll be their third loss. Um, you know, they're, they're looking at the Alamo Bowl, I think, at that point, you know? Yeah, maybe outside shot at the Cotton Bowl or maybe uh, maybe the Alamo Bowl. I mean, and Alamo it just knocks everybody Bowl. in the conference down. Imagine the Alamo Bowl playing against uh, Baylor, maybe, or uh, Oklahoma. I mean, it's, it's a Big 12 Bowl, right? Yeah, whoever loses that Baylor-Oklahoma game. Yeah, so, I mean, it's like, what a what a shift, you know, like from where they were three weeks ago to, the, to that. But, um That'd be interesting. I'm actually I'm reasonably excited for this Pac-12 championship game, even though I'm not gonna like watch it because it's on a ridiculous time. But yeah, I mean I'll have it on. 
you know, because I like uh, the conference, really, when it comes down to it. And I'm interested in the game. And because, I'll tell you what, I'll be rooting like hell for Utah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's why I'm going to have the damn game on. So, if it looks like Oregon's running away with this thing, I'm turning that shit right off. I'm going to try and find me a basketball game. Or, God forbid, uh, spend some time with my wife and kids. Yeah, yeah. Worst case scenario. (laughs) You know, there. Yeah. Uh, So uh, next up, we had uh, Notre Dame went to Stanford. uh, Stanford playing out the string, which you hate to see for them. Uh, Notre Dame, the Stanford, you know, were in it early actually, and they were leading, and you know, at some point in the second quarter of this game, and then uh, Notre Dame turned it on, uh, and Notre Dame ends up winning real comfortably, forty-five to twenty-four. Yep, not much to say, but what we expected, Stanford's done. Bad, bad year for them. Very bad year for them. Yeah, that's what really puts it in perspective. You know, some other schools are having a bad year, like old Washington or old, you know, Washington State even. But I'll tell you what, both those teams are going to bowl games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Arizona and Arizona State. Uh, Arizona, you know, I mean, they topped out. They were 4-1, and one, and then that was it. They uh, lost seven in a row to end the season. Uh, Arizona State gets a 24-14 win, a seventh win for Herm. And the Sun Devils are growing bowling. Uh, we talked about it last week. Uh, what's his name? Jaden Jaden Daniels? Yep. Uh, their quarterback looks like a good one for uh, years to come, although I'll tell you what, he didn't do a hell of a lot in this game. Eno Benjamin did. Uh, you know, Herm Edwards just pro-styled this thing. 34 carries, 168 yards. Not even a great yards per carry, but he was just too much for him. Yeah, Arizona's terrible. So yeah, they're bad. I, I, but, you know, this game was tough to watch. There wasn't much going on here, um, and I think Arizona State just sort of ground, grounded out. Yeah, speaking of guys that uh, you know might have like lost the fire, I look at like Kevin Sumlin on the sideline of these games, and I'm like, like he's a guy that I feel like if they fired him, you might say like he'd be relieved on some level. Yeah, man, I, I I have a very firm stance on new coaches, like hiring a new coach, and it's like never hire a coach that just got fired. Yeah. It's just never going to work, particularly if it's a lesser, which is almost always going to be the case, if it's a lesser program than where he came from, because I just can't believe that Kevin Sumlin gets up every day and goes into work at Arizona after having been at A&M and the head coach there. And, and, you know, like, and seeing some highs there. Yeah. And I just can't believe he gets up and goes to Arizona and gives a shit. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. such a Mickey mouse operation compared to what A&M is trying to, is doing. Um, and the, you know, the, the passion of the A&M fan base and the, you know, the facilities and all of it. And I just like, there's no way he's as emotionally invested in that, you know, and it looks, you, you can just tell. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, California and UCLA. This was an interesting game because UCLA has been like uh, really erratic team, you know, that has like really shown signs of getting it together, but then they just revert. Uh, and I watched a decent chunk of this game. Uh, 28 points for Cal is like a, you know, a 40 point game for a regular team because their offense has not been fantastic in recent years. But when I'm actually watching them play, since Garbers came back from the injury, the I can see what they're trying to do on offense, and they're able to string together drives, okay? Which is not, all, like, you know, sometimes it's just like, it's it's felt like the last couple of years that they're just trying to luck into scoring points on offense somehow. Yeah. Like, 
there's a plan. The running plays. Garbers looks good. He's running around. He's making throws to open receivers downfield. It's it's kind of that I've been impressed with them and I've been happy for Bo Baldwin, uh, Curtis grad, uh, who is their offensive coordinator that they actually are starting to look competent on offense. Yeah. No, I mean, is, is Garbers a junior? He's back. Yeah. 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 I think he's a sophomore. All right. I mean, they're going to, they're going to get even better then. Yeah. So like you've, uh, you got, got to give it up to the young man. Even though, like, yeah, he's he's got two more years on him, dude. Well, there you go. And you know he's not going pro. No, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, which brings us to the Apple Cup. How about it? Played on a Friday, Black Friday. Uh, I like that slot for the Apple Cup. Though. That's kind of become the traditional time, uh, like a noon game on Black Friday. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's exactly when it kicked off, but thereabouts, right? Midday. Yeah, yeah, it would take you off at one o'clock. Yeah, perfect, right? You know, because it's on. They got it on Fox. They got it on national TV. That's a day that a lot of people have off. Uh, and in terms of like the available games, uh, it it looked the best to me of all the games that were played on Friday on TV. In terms of like a proper college football environment, you know, the teams don't like each other. Uh, and Washington, as they so often do in the Apple Cup, right under Chris Peterson. Uh, like I was talking about last week, they come into this game with a different edge for whatever reason. They really embrace the fact that it's a rivalry. They do not like Washington State, and they take care of business. 31-13, to 13, really, really comfortable the entire way. Yeah, I mean, totally exactly what you talked about. Like, you've got this game locked right now in terms of the attitude of the teams the and the mental expectation becoming the reality. Um, and just every... You know, every facet of what you talked about just just comes true. You know, it's like against this team, the Washington players know that they're better and expect to win. And that happens. Yeah. Nick Harris, the center for Washington, was wearing a T-shirt under his jersey the entire game that said, we don't lose to Cougs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which he displayed upon conclusion of the game uh, when it became true. Yeah. Like, which means he created that before the game. Like, he knew that that was going to be the outcome of the game, his opportunity to, like, display that. I mean, like... Yeah, and that that truly says it all. Yeah. Imagine the gall of that. Yeah. How many of these shirts are getting thrown away in anger? Yeah, yeah. I'd say not many. You got to be real real quiet about that if you don't end up winning this game, you know, like... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, even though, like, there was a second there in the third quarter... Uh, before Washington scored, that the Cougs had gotten it back within. Or I don't know. They looked like they were threatening to come in, and Washington was up a couple scores, but WSU had the ball, and they were driving, and they were turning the ball over left and right in this game. But uh, it was a position that Washington had honestly been in at home this season with second-half leads that they had frittered away against Cal, against Oregon, uh, you know, against whoever else that I can't think of right now. Uh, where they'd lost these games at home. And I've, I was not worried in the least about our ability to win this thing. Yeah. I mean, they will watching creates a turnover. Cougs are driving with a chance to make it a one possession game. You know, in, you know, like I said, about seven minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, they're inside the 20 and, you know, Washington creates a turnover on, on what is honestly one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Like what the refs blowing that play dead. 
Um, oh yeah. Oh Terrible. my god, I was so mad. Like I'm, I'm pretty reserved in the in the uh, stands now. Like I don't like lose my cool very often. I spend most of the time sort of just grimly staring at the game. <laughs> if you, yeah, 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 yeah. If you, and honest to God, if you were to watch me, you'd be like, that gentleman is not enjoying this. Um, you know, like, and, Oh yeah. We were at, I we were at one of the games earlier this year and my wife took a picture of me and I've got my, my kids in my lap and we're all just sitting there watching the game and they're relatively like interested in it, which is surprising. Right. Cause yeah. they're not like the world's biggest football fans. And I don't even look like I'm having a lick of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's just real grim for me most of the time staring at it, but I just lost my mind on that, on that play. I brought out one of my uh, favorite ref, um, uh, attacks, which, you know, like from the second deck of Husky stadium is doesn't mean no good to be shouting at the top of my life, yeah. but the old get off your knees, you're blowing the game. Yeah. It's just a great, a great way. If you're looking for a wholesome way to go after a rep. Um, yeah. I like, uh, uh, this is one I learned from, uh, Ron Lentz. Yeah. We're a Christian. Yeah. Uh, he was a great character, uh, and we used to come. Or sometimes Christian would play on our team for tournaments and stuff. Uh, and Ron was a great sideline parent for the game. Uh, this is youth soccer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I learned this at. Uh, hey, ref, bend over and look out your good eye. Yeah, I, I remember you used to always yell at me to go back to Foot Locker. I don't yeah. Do. <laughs> but anyway i love i love yelling at a ref i know it doesn't mean anything and yeah. uh i don't expect it to be heard but i'd like that like that's part of the stuff i enjoy about college football is just kind of getting in there uh with the gang and just doing some yelling you yeah. know some good old-fashioned yelling exactly yeah. accomplished uh, yeah i get i understand why fox news is a popular station because i too enjoy feeling aggrieved yeah. you know yeah yeah. Like it's a conspiracy against me. Yeah, everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other than that play, which you know should have ended the game in all intents and purposes, when Washington created that turnover, they should have scored there. And you know because it was blown dead, they just got the ball. But um, you know, I mean that that pretty much like was the only time where it looked like the Cougs were going to threaten to get back in this thing. And you know, like it's just you don't just takes care of business in these games, man. I don't know. Yeah. So we got to figure out a way to bottle that up and take it to the other uh, 11 regular season games that we have every year. Or just uh, at least. All right. So uh, real quick, how'd we do on picks last week? All right. I went four and two. Worm went four and two. You went three and three, which means we finish the regular season. You won the regular season 49-41. I am one game behind you at 48-42. And Worm is a ways back at 43-47. and 47. Yeah, good winning week for Worm, though. It's been a minute, and I've really uh, frittered this thing away. So we only got the one game to pick, the Pac-12 title game on Friday night. Utah are favored by six points. And I'll tell you what, Utah's looked the better of these two teams through the you know business month of November. Um, yeah. And Utah's got everything to play for here. You know, like, yeah, Oregon, as much as the Rose Bowl is important still, like, the, the playoff is all that anybody focuses on anymore. It's all anybody talks about anymore. It's kind of pathetic and sad to me that the Rose Bowl has become sort of like a, a second place. Play. A consolation prize. Yeah, it sucks, right? Because like Utah's playing or like these teams are playing like Utah's playing for a playoff probably. But if, you know, if not, then the Rose Bowl and then Oregon is definitely playing for the Rose Bowl. That's the freaking Rose Bowl, man. Like that's the that's yeah. the granddaddy, Keith Jackson. Like that should be top, like top of your mind 
Um, but I think Utah has got the got the team and is gonna is gonna win this game. Uh, yeah, it kind of it kind of just feels like it's Utah season, you know, because uh, I'll tell you what, both of these teams uh, enjoy it right now because Utah is gonna be wildly diminished after this season. They are graduating a lot, and as is you know, Oregon's gonna have to figure out a new quarterback, uh, and they'll be losing some players to the pros. But uh, both of these teams are uh, you know stronger this year than they're going to be next year yeah i'm with you so utah we will take utah i'm gonna assume worm is as well but we'll see and good for them that really uh chapped the ass with the byu faithful down there in uh uh utah if uh utah managed to get into the college football playoff you know yeah i'll tell you what that that's like a, a fun little angle so that uh, anything else to talk about yeah, we got to talk about the the minor little news that came out. What on uh, what day was that? Monday. On Monday. On Monday. Yeah. So we're recording this on Tuesday evening. Yeah, on Monday, you sent me a text as I'm I was sitting there in court, ready to do one of my favorite things to do, which is get a guy out of custody. Uh, and you sent me this text, and I'll tell you what, I was like, I need a second, you know. <laughs> Actually, I mean, I, I went and did it. I went and did it because the, the worst thing than uh, uh, worse than having to do a court hearing is having to do it again in the future. You know? Yeah. Like I'm here. Let's just do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, man. You can't get out today. I'm not like in an emotional state. <laughs> I'm going yeah. to need another week out of you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was like, Oh man. Uh, yeah, so Chris Peterson announces he's stepping down, and Bing Bang, uh, Jimmy Lake is named the new coach of the Washington Huskies. So, I mean, there's a ton to talk about here, and I don't, I don't know what do you think the best way to structure this is. I mean, I think like certainly we have to talk about uh, Chris Peterson's kind of like what he meant to the program, uh, and then I guess prospects going forward. I mean, I'm not. Actually, that surprised. Um, you know, you asked me last week what I wanted to see in the Apple Cup, and I what I said was I wanted to leave the stadium believing that Chris Peterson wants to win a national championship, because I was you worried. did I, extremely prescient comment. I was worried that he got lost in the process. And it, yeah. it just hasn't looked to me like he's had any fun this year, like actually coaching these games. Uh, yeah, and and so like, I mean, honestly, I'm impressed. Dude, because like I, it takes a lot of balls to have a job like he has to get paid the kind of money that he gets paid. And, Four and a half million dollars to be specific. Yeah, and to willingly, like knowingly and intelligently, to borrow uh, the parlance of your of your time, <laughs> your job, to knowingly and intelligently um, give that up to because he doesn't want to anymore. You know? Yeah. Like we're talking, we're talking fifteen million dollars. Minimum, I believe. Give or t- I think he has another three years on his contract after this year. And if he wanted, and if he wanted to make another thirty or forty, he could. Like, yep, he's got he's got all of the the, you know, he's in no danger of being fired, and you know, he could easily get another job if he wanted it at a big time school anywhere in the country if he if he desired. So, yeah. like, like this dude to just say, you know what, like, not feeling it. Um, I'm I'm actually reasonably impressed with that. I also think I think it's Dan Walken at USA Today who like for the most part comes off as just like this arrogant prick. 
Um, yeah. He has like a couple of things that he kind of themes that he goes back to fairly frequently that I believe are correct. And one of them is that no college coach should stay at a place more than like seven years or something. That's what his number. Yeah. Um, Cause he thinks like just after that period of time, he's like, it's just diminishing returns. And, and of course there's exceptions to that, like Saban, you know, and Dabo and um, you know, but for the most part, like, you know what you're going to get and what the expectation is of a coach after that period of time. And so if a coach, you know, is out of place seven years, and he hasn't accomplished what he wants to accomplish. He should move on. And I, I think that's right. I think we've seen Peterson, like he made the jump from Boise State to UW. When he showed up at UW, there was lots of NFL talent on the roster. Sark, I think everybody would acknowledge, did a good job of, of rebuilding the program in terms of the talent level and, you know, and of the, the pride a little bit. And so it wasn't like he was starting from scratch. It took him a couple of years, but, you know, he got UW to almost to the mountaintop in terms of, you know, the playoff one year and then uh, New Year's Bowl games three years in a row. Uh, yep, but he two Pac-12 titles. He never, he never won a signature game at UW, and he never made it over that mountain. And I don't know, like, what another couple of years of Chris Peterson is going to change about that, you know? Yeah, I agree with that, and that and that's uh, and that's harsh, but it's exactly right. You know what I mean? And 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 that's not to diminish the amazing strides he's made since he showed up, because we did have NFL talent on the roster, but it was uh, plain to see how kind of disorganized it was. Yeah, or, you know, it kind of like not not everybody was you know kind of uh, pushing in the same direction. You know, it just wasn't maximized in any way and when he showed up uh it was a massive difference uh in to me you know obviously from the outside i don't know what it's like but it just seemed like there was so much more purpose in everything that washington was doing and he took us uh you know if sart got us back to being like we're a credible power five college football team chris peterson took us to a place where we could start dreaming on the things that any college football fan wants to dream about, which is like, holy shit, we might have like a legitimate chance to win some big shit, you know? Yeah. Like win a Rose Bowl, win, a, you know, dare say a national championship someday if this thing keeps going in the right direction. Okay. Uh, and I think even with the down year that this year was and a disappointing year where they, uh, you know, at least should have had the Cal game, at least should have had the, yeah. uh, I mean, should should have beat Oregon one of the last two years. Both those were both coin flip games. Maybe should have won the one last year more than the one this year, but could have won e both of them easily. Certainly should have found a way to beat that dog shit Stanford team that we went out and got pummeled by our worst loss of the year. This four win Stanford team. Uh, still, you know, like even though there were seven and five, there so much is coming back. You know, I mean, like we started so many kids on defense and like vir virtually everyone is back except for Miles Bryant. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the defensive line is stocked up. We've been recruiting O-line like we're supposed to do. Uh, we'll see what happens with Jacob Eason. Uh, some people are convinced he's going to go. I, I don't know. I mean, if that's what he wants to do, he should do it because he's probably going to get drafted high. But I I'm not like. You know, I could I could have envisioned after the first three games a stronger season than the one he ended up having. You know, yeah, yeah. Like uh, I think there's a possibility for him to be like a top pick in the draft, like the number one pick in the draft, and that's not the case right now. Um, yeah. So who know? I'm I'm just saying that like the the 
everything's well stocked. And because you're hiring from inside the program, a lot of the first year uncomfortable stuff that has to happen in terms of everybody realizing what the new expectations are, don't really need to happen because I'm not, I don't foresee a lot of staff turnover here. Yeah. You're not going to get a lot of staff turnover. I think like when my, my philosophy on coach hiring is you have to do one of two things. You either have to hire an up and coming head coach at a, you know, at a, at a uh, you know, a smaller school, um, you know, so, so someone coming out of like, you know, any other smaller conferences and that's like had sustained success. Like Norvell right now in Memphis is a hot name. And there's other, you know, there's other coaches who are on the come. Or like Brian Kelly when he went to Notre Dame after having a handful of good years at Cincinnati yeah. or somebody like that. Yeah, you have to hire a coach who's either coming off of some significant, you know, uh, taking a smaller conference school to, uh, you know, a, a, a significant amount of success. Or you have to hire the hot new um the hot, you know, the hottest coordinators that are available that are, that are the next, the obvious next choices to become head coaches. Um, yeah. The reason for that is because I think if you're, if the premise is you're trying to win a national title, which I think for most schools and power five conferences, they would tell you that's the premise, even if it's like completely unrealistic for like a Cal or a Washington state or an Iowa state or whomever to think that, uh, yeah. or even Washington, frankly, like, you know, like, however, yeah. like, but if that's the premise that you're trying to win a national championship, then you have to hire someone that has not disqualified themselves from the possibility that they could do that. Right. And so if you're hiring a retread coach who's gone to a power five school and failed or been fired or left like Chip Kelly left Oregon because he was about to get suspended for 18 months, like that to me is like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I guess Kelly's a bad example because he did make it to the national title game. And so you could justify that. But it's like, for the most part, it's like, do not hire retreads. Only hire coaches who the potential for greatness is still there. So Washington adhered to that, right? Like Jimmy Lake is, was going to get hired this year at a power five school as their head coach. Um, Colorado tried to hire him last year and he turned it down. So, Like he's he fits that mold. He comes from within the program, so there's not going to be a lot of turmoil in terms of the big, you know, philosophy change and all that stuff. He said as much. I'm going to do things the way Chris Peterson did. Uh, yeah. And then a, a a really 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 underrated part of this that I've seen mentioned a couple times, but nobody I think is giving this the the credit that is due is that Pete Kwiatkowski steps back in as the defensive coordinator, which means arguably the defense is going to get better. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. All, all, if Lake hires a competent OC and the offense improves like this team, you know, he's a great recruiter. And if he's a good leader, he's got a nails defensive coordinator right there already. Like he's got a lot of opportunity in front of him. Yeah. And especially you're looking at like, is Washington state going to be able to strike gold again? Uh, in terms of finding a new quarterback like they've had the last two years. Uh, and frankly, that really hasn't mattered against Washington, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Cal secondary, which is the strength of their team, is going to be decimated uh, by graduation. Well, and Weaver graduates, so he's gone. Yeah, Oregon is losing a lot of key players, starting first and foremost with their quarterback, although you, know, you and I have both said that we're not sure exactly how great he is. Uh, but still, having to figure out a new quarterback is no small deal, even if it's, you know, and Herbert's fine. You know what I mean? He's a good quarterback, certainly. 
Uh, that's going to be a problem. Utah's graduating like everything. Uh, the, USC is uh, going to be a problem. <laughs> USC is going to be a massive problem, but really, other than that, that's like if you're Washington, technically, the, and that's not really your problem until you get to the Pac-12 title game. You know what I mean? Like, and you come in terms of like a sweet spot to come into. We've just had a down year. You're going to have every opportunity to improve on that record next year. Uh, your primetime opponents are all going to be taking a step back from where they were this year. And to be honest, you were in those games this year. You know, I mean, you you should have won more of them than you did. Uh, every opportunity to improve. What I'm interested to see, and I think everybody agrees, is what direction he's going to take with the offense. Is he going to what? Uh, How is he going to handle the Bush Hamden situation? Basically. Yeah, because one thing that I think we should point out. Um, he's not getting a soft landing. The next game at Husky Stadium is Michigan. Michigan. So I don't know if Michigan's going to take a step back next year. Like I, this will be the second year with Gaddis as their offensive coordinator. I don't know if Patterson's gone or if he's coming back. I know they've got a McCaffrey who is highly rated on that roster of quarterback. I think you know is, is out this year. I want to say Shea Patterson still has eligibility. Yeah. So, I mean, that this could be like, you know, his first game as head coach is going to be a real game. Um, it's not going to be, you know, Montana or anything like that. So, you know, they're going to have to figure it out quick. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's all about it's all about what he does with the offensive staff, because like like we said, with Kwiatkowski coming back, like I just I'm not even worried about the defense. Um, and so it's all going to be what he how good of a. Yeah, obviously he's a good recruiter, but is he a good recruiter from the CF CEO chair? Um, and is he able to put an offensive staff together and that can click quickly? Um, now I want to know. I'm looking into Shea Patterson's eligibility for next year. I mean, he's a transfer, right? Yeah, he did play two years at Ole Miss. Yeah. And I think this is his second year at Michigan. And he's listed at Wikipedia as a senior. So they might be starting a new a new senior, a new quarterback. Yeah, so that uh, is for the better. And, you know, speaking of guys who, for whatever reason, the uh, fire seems to be gone, is that old Jim Harbaugh, you know? Well, I don't know if the fire is gone, but he's got he's in a hopeless situation there trying to beat Ohio State. Yeah, you feel I feel like he should. I I you know cuz like I know I mean there was not a better coach for my money in the world than him when he was at Stanford and then with the 49ers. Yeah, I don't know, man. He's it's rough, dude. They can't get within they can't get any closer to Ohio State than WCU gets to UW right now. Yeah, which is wild because I I watched that game because I for whatever reason fall on the Michigan side of that rivalry, you know, to the extent I care about it. And they were in. They were in that game. Like really, the difference early on it uh, is just Michigan were making just stupid mistakes. Like Ohio State drives down for a touchdown on the first drive. Michigan drives right back for a touchdown. Then they miss the extra point, and then just the the air goes out of it. And they're just having stupid turnovers, stupid penalties. It's not like like play for play. They looked like different than other teams. Ohio State. Uh, had played this year. Michigan made them punt a few times, you know? Yeah. You can talk about this in context of the Oregon-Washington rivalry where Washington, despite uh, having lost now 14 of the last 16 games, that rivalry still holds a comfortable lead. 
I saw yeah. that the, that rivalry is now 58-52 uh, Michigan, you know, in terms of all-time games, which means having lost eight in a row at one point in time, Michigan was had a 58-44, um, you know, lead. And if you're a Michigan fan, you, you've got to feel like that's insurmountable, right? And now all of a sudden it's like very possible in the next decade that Ohio State evens that series up. Yeah. And then the while we're talking about Ohio State, another thing I was thinking about regarding Jimmy Lake was uh, looking at recent coordinator to head coach jumps. And you have to think about Ryan Day, who's had a wonderful year at Ohio State. Lincoln Riley has been fantastic at Oklahoma, you know. And the, these are guys yeah. who had top, like the guys who uh, Chris Peterson has a reasonable claim to say he's in the class of to the coaches that, uh, you know, that level of a Bob Stoops and an Urban Meyer, you know, Chris Peterson, a notch below, but also there's a notch below Chris Peterson before you get to yeah. the rest of the riffraff. Uh, like it's, it's that kind of, it's that kind of transition. So uh, the, then the other obvious one for Washington purposes is when Don James stepped down and Lambright took over. Uh, with the obvious difference of Washington is not under any sanctions right now, you know? If that makes sense. Did I lose you? Yeah, no, the program's in good shape, man. The world, yeah, sort of. I'm still here, but I can hear most of what you're saying. (laughs) Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just saying that, like, this could be worse, you know? Uh, It's not, obviously, I I don't know. I mean, like, uh, the other thing is that, like, when Chris Peterson's saying that, like, he's... I, I take him at his word when he says he thinks it's good for the program for him to not be the coach right now. You know, I agree, man. I think it was tonight. Six yeah, years I, in, we saw, what he, we saw what he had to give. And unless he was willing to go on a spiritual journey and reinvent himself as a coach, like it, we saw what the results were going to be, which are really, really good, but not great. So, you know, he's leaving the cupboard stacked, stock full of talent. He's still going to be in house, which is great for Built for Life and all that. And Jimmy Lake is going to be super hungry and ready to, to bust some heads. I mean, I, I'm, you know, there's a, I think it's right now an equal chance that he's not a great head coach and that Washington takes a step back, but there's also an opportunity for them to take a step forward. And I would rather take that bet and take a shot right now and see if they have the opportunity for greatness than just sort of stay stuck in neutral. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I, I, I think there's a lot to be excited about here. Uh, and then the, the obvious th- thing that I'm trying to steal myself for is like, be careful what you wish for, because again, Jimmy Lake is, n- you know, no, you know, nobody is anywhere near the pedigree of Chris Peterson, except for like two or three guys that Washington frankly can't get, you know? Yeah. So, uh, there is, as you said, the possibility that Jimmy Lake is not going to be up to this and there's no real way to know, but, uh, and yeah, I guess that's like my, my biggest thing is that like in, in terms of the nature of the opportunity that he's being given and the continuity that we're going to have uh, in terms of this transition, uh, you couldn't be set up better uh, for this thing to have an opportunity to work. And I guess I'm just excited to see what's going to happen. Yeah, man, it'll be interesting. Whatever chintzy bowl game we're in, it's going to be fun to watch Peterson's last game. And then I'm going to be really excited to see how late closes on that recruiting class. Yeah, when do we get these uh, bowl? I guess they can't do the bowl invitations until they announce who's going to go to the, you know, if if there's a chance that Oregon or because I think if Oregon wins, I think Utah's got a great chance to get a New Year's Six game. 
Yeah, oh, they will totally get the Rose Bowl. Anyway, uh, and Oregon may be outside shot to get a New Year's Six game, and that's going to determine a lot. You say, figure like USC is looking pretty good for the Alamo. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, but they might get bumped to the holiday if Oregon gets knocked down. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, anything else to say? I'm sure I forgot to say something. No, I think we got it. Yeah. I guess that's like kind of weird how relaxed I am about, about this incredible sea change. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So for Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week. We'll preview some bowl games. Yeah.